Namaste, it's Sahara Rose, and welcome back to the Highest Self Podcast, a place where we discuss what makes you your soul's highest involvement. It's been a minute since I've done a Vedic astrology episode, and I had to bring in my dear friend, Laura Plum, to drop us with another one. I've linked the other ones in the show notes that we've done in the past, but this one is specifically on her end of year and early 2022 astrological forecast. So past two years have been a little bit crazy to say the least. And I was curious, you know what? What's in store for us for the rest of this year? What does 2022 look like? Let's look ahead a little because there's no point looking back, right? And in this episode, she has really researched what November, December of 2021 look like and what we can look forward to in 2022, which is really, really great. And I love just the wisdom that she shares. And if you aren't familiar with what Vedic astrology is, Vedic astrology is one of the eldest forms of astrology that originated in ancient India or really in the Indus River Valley, which is now kind of modern day South Asia in general. And what's so beautiful about this system is based on the sidereal system. So the sidereal system accounted for the earth's slight wobble in its access that makes it shift a slight, slight, slight percentage of a degree every single year. Now, the thing is, since the Vedic astrologers and the Greek astrologers shared information about 2000 years ago when the Greek astrological system was created, which our Western astrological system is based off of, it didn't account for that shift in its access. So now everything is about 24 degrees off. So most likely three-fourths of the chance is your sun sign in Vedic astrology is actually the sign before your sun sign in Western astrology. So for example, in Western astrology, I'm a Capricorn, but in Vedic astrology, I'm a Sagittarius. And in fact, all the plans that I had in Capricorn in Western astrology, I actually have in Sagittarius in Vedic astrology. Now, some people resonate more with their Western astrological chart. However, if you've always been wondering of, oh, I actually don't really resonate with that one so much, you may actually look into your Vedic astrology chart and resonate with that one more, which, you know, for me, I actually resonate more with that Sag energy of who I truly am, of the explorer and the philosopher and, and the adventurer more than my Capricorn because I'm not organized or clean or on a routine. Like I'm not Miranda from Sex and City at all. However, I do have the ambition of the Capricorn, which I resonate with. So it could be interesting for you to look up your Vedic astrological chart and you may find resonance. And in fact, what sometimes happens is someone's rising sign is their sun sign in Vedic astrology or their moon sign, or they just have it in a really important house. So you may actually have your same signs in Western astrology, but they may play out differently. And again, one-fourth of people are actually going to have it in the exact same placement because it's 24 degrees off. So there still is, I believe, between 24 and 30 degrees, those chances. So if you were born really early in the month, you may still be the same. Another thing I love about Vedic astrology is it really has a cosmic view of astrology. I find validity in both, and I actually look into both every single day. I love some Western astrologers like Christopher Watecki, who's been on the podcast, and I love learning about Vedic astrology, especially because it is the sister science of Ayurveda and yoga. So I just find different aspects about myself and humanity by looking in them. And if you're curious about learning more and integrating them in my yoga path Oracle card deck, I have dates and key phases, et cetera, for both, as well as a chart for you to find where your birthday is. So for myself, I love to dive into both and I think they're both equally wise and beautiful. So if you're not as familiar with Vedic astrology, this is the invitation to look into it, especially if you're a yogi, because this is the sister science. So in this episode, we not only talk about Vedic astrology, but we also dive into just big quantum questions. And I love having conversations like this, like why did the dissension happen? If we're supposed to all move towards ascension and moving towards more light, why did we forget? Why did this amnesia happen? How can we overcome this fear of death? This conversation right now of 
being for the collective versus individual, how do we have both? So we also really dive into these more spiritual topics. And for me, conversations like this, though we never have the answers to them, they really open us up to questioning why we're here. And if we're not always asking ourselves this question, then life becomes very mundane and boring and pointless. So this is a cosmic conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, let's welcome Laura Plum to the High Self Podcast. And before we get started, I'd love to share with you this special offer. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to make an assumption about you. You are that person that your friends come to whenever they need advice, especially on something related to spirituality or purpose. Am I right? Well, have you ever thought about how to make this huge aspect of your life part of your career? Maybe you're longing to one day write books and have a podcast like this and coach with people, but you don't know where to start. Well, if this is the case, I have a really special opportunity for you. Imagine being trained by me for six months to become a certified soul purpose coach. Not only will you graduate as a certified soul purpose coach, but also a double certification as a spiritual life coach. Well, this is possible for you at Dharma Coaching Institute. We are officially accredited by the International Coaching Federation and so excited to be offering you our six month training program to give you everything you need to hit the ground running with your coaching practice. If you're curious to learn more, head over to dharmacoachinginstitute.com. We are enrolling this month, October 2021. Class starts November 1st. So take this opportunity to say yes to launching your new career where you can help others live a life of purpose. Head over to dharmacoachinginstitute.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A coaching institute.com and you can find that link in the show notes. If you are a health nut, but you're obsessed with really high quality, beautiful and spiritual herbal products, then I know the perfect thing for you. And that is Anima Mundi Herbals. This company is truly game changing. They take herbology and do it in this really intuitive way where you're working not just with the herb, but the spirit of the herb. Now, some of my favorites are their golden milk with blue lotus, which is really powerful for lucid dreaming and opening up your intuition. Their rose, which opens up your divine feminine wisdom, your Kuna, which actually boosts the dopamine, the happiness hormone in your brain, and so many others. I've interviewed the founder, Adriana, on my podcast twice. She is a master herbalist and someone who I deeply love, respect, and resonate with. So I'm so happy to be able to share her products with the High Self Podcast audience. Trust me when I say once you try them, you are going to be obsessed and they make for wonderful gifts for others. So if you want to get your hands on some, head over to animamundiherbals.com and use code Sahara for 20% off. Again, that's animamundiherbals.com, A-N-I-M-A-M-U-N-D-I, herbals.com with coupon code Sahara for 20% off. And you can find that link in the show notes. Now back to the episode. Welcome back to the Highest Self Podcast, Laura G. So excited to have you here. It's an honor. Always wonderful to be with you. Thank you. Mm. And the first question I'd love to ask you is, what makes you your highest self? Well, it's the same that I think I said last time. I, I love chanting when I'm singing and chanting, especially outdoors. I feel like, you know, the wind is caressing your face. The sun is kissing your skin. The birds come and sing with you. So nature, beautiful places in nature and, and singing. Mm, chanting. Love that so much. Yeah. And you are such a powerful, shakti, <laughs> full force stream of information on all things Vedic from Ayurveda to Geotish Vedic astrology, which we'll be diving into. And I'm so fortunate to have recently had a consultation with you and in the past on my birthday and before. And I love your wisdom because to me, you are the person that has made Vedic astrology really accessible for me to understand. And I know for so many in my rose gold goddesses community, where you have a beautiful workshop on how to read a Vedic astrology chart. And I think so many people right now are realizing the significance of of the sidereal system and just, you know, how 
in a way we just haven't been taught this system and this approach, which we go into all the differences of, of Western Vedic astrology in the previous episode that we did together. So I will link that below. If people are like, what is Vedic astrology? How is it different? How do I read it? I will link that mm-hmm. below. But in this conversation, I really wanted you to share your wisdom of what you see coming up for the collective from, you know, the end of this year of 2021, which has been continued to be unpredictable and mm-hmm. what is in store for us spring of 2022, because I know a lot of shifts are coming. So can you share a little bit of your downloads with us? Well, a lot of great shifts are coming just to really quickly preface it. 2020 was a mess. The sky was a mess. The planets, the malefic planets, the planets that bring accidents and depressions and all kinds of trouble, they were strong. The planets that help us and support us, the planets that give us hope, abundance, prosperity, flow, health, wellness, they were weak. 2020 was a difficult time. 2021 has been a mixed bag. Things are getting better, but then things are going back and it's sort of back and forth, contract, expand, contract, expand. So we are living this year with that uncertainty that makes life uncomfortable. Human beings don't usually like too much uncertainty. Recently, all summer and into the autumn, Saturn, Jupiter were retrograde. That can create some stagnation. And then in September, Jupiter retrograded right on back into Capricorn. Markets dropped, hope dropped. Lots of people have been through a little bit of a tough time, but I'm here to give you the good news. (laughs) So October is when the planets Saturn and Jupiter will be going direct again. And then Jupiter will be able to catch up. He'll get back into Aquarius November 20th. So Jupiter's been in Aquarius. He was in Aquarius for the most part of this year. Because he went retrograde, summer and autumn. He retrograded back into Capricorn, but fortunately he'll be moving direct in October and then making it back into Capricorn November 20th. I'm putting some emphasis on that because Jupiter is the planet of wisdom. He's the advisor, the counselor. He's our wise guide. He helps us feel hopeful and he helps us expand our wings. He's very uplifting, very positive, and wants to unite, wants to bring us towards our highest self. So when he's in a good sign, He's really got a great power for us, and he's very, very uplifting. So November 20th until April 12th, we've got Jupiter in Aquarius moving in direct motion, and that will be very positive. Jupiter in Aquarius gives the chance to, it gives humanitarian ideals, it gives a chance to grow technology in in science, in, in mechanics, and in our group settings. Aquarius has a lot to do with getting together. So hopefully we'll start seeing more opportunities to be able to get out and get together, right? And to get into events and get into live. I think we've all really got quarantine fatigue, right? We really do have a desire, a burning desire now to get back together. Jupiter and Aquarius helps us with that. Aquarius loves to meet people from all walks of life. So that's one good thing. Saturn, of course, will be going direct. He's been in Capricorn since late January of 2020. And he is, he takes two and a half years to go through any sign. He's been retrograding as well. He's doing all this retrograde in Capricorn. If you have a moon in Capricorn or you've got Saturn in Capricorn, if you've got Saturn in Capricorn, then you're in your Saturn return. If you've got moon in, in Capricorn, you're right in the middle of your Sade Sati. So those are periods where it can be a little bit challenging. Good news is Saturn will be leaving Capricorn. Saturn is leaving Capricorn and moving to Aquarius. April 28th of 2022. So I'm sort of jumping ahead there, but I just want to let people know that Saturn's been heavy in the retrograde period. However, in Capricorn, Saturn's been able to give us some tools and some resources to help build and rebuild. Sort of this model we had in the election cycle last year of build back better. That was a very Saturn in Capricorn model. And so Saturn now will be moving to Aquarius. So Saturn's move to Aquarius will be an even better place for Saturn to be. So here's the great news. Starting November 20th, things pick up because Jupiter goes to Aquarius. Then in the spring of next year, Jupiter is going to Pisces. Saturn is going to Aquarius. And these nodes, Rahu and Ketu, the lunar nodes that cause eclipses, are also moving. So March, the nodes move. April, Jupiter moves. And in May, Saturn moves. And these are all long transits. The nodes stay 18 months in one place. Jupiter stays 13 months in one place. Saturn spends two and a half years in one place. So we're going to see a lot of dynamism in the sky in the spring of next year. And the good news is 
Jupiter's going to its own sign of Pisces, where he's very, very strong. Saturn's going to a place of great dignity, Aquarius, where he's very, very strong. So we have the help of these two teachers, you might say, these outer planets that really do powerfully affect the collective and will be powerfully affecting it in the sense that Saturn in Aquarius is going to be wanting people to get together, building towards humanitarian ideals. Pisces is also humanitarian in science. So we've got the help of Jupiter and Pisces also wanting us to connect. But in that place, really connecting at the heart, really connecting at the, that level of oneness. We are one. We belong to one family. So the two of those planets, Saturn and Jupiter, are going to be very, very positive for the collective. Again, I think November 20th, we start to see an uplift, and it starts to really kind of up, 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 expand. And then March, nodes move. April, Jupiter moves to Pisces. And then at the end of April, Saturn moves to Aquarius. Wow, wow, wow. So much. So what I really took from it was wait till November 20th. (laughs) Just keep it cool, lay low. I don't know what's going to happen. It may be continue to get a little bit more divided, a little bit more crazy in a way. I think that, and I'm curious what the stars say about this, but the division has gotten so bad and so in our faces that it's awakening us from it. It's like, it almost needed to get to this level of extreme for us to be like, wait, we are dividing and segregating and labeling and judging and being so cruel to each other. This isn't how humans treat humans. And then I'm hopeful to hear that now this humanitarian, more heart consciousness wave is coming over because I feel like we've Mm -hmm. reached a threshold of how divided. And I think a lot of people's fear is, are we going to move further and further into this division that we separate into two different societies, countries? Do you see something like that happening? You know, it's a great question because in February of 2022, Saturn will be moving into the nakshatra of Danishta and nakshatras are stars. So when we talk about signs, we're talking about groups of stars, constellations. And within those constellations are certain bright stars. So as the planet travels across a constellation, it's closer at each point to the beginning, the middle, the end, those stars as they as they cross. And Danishta is a star that is really at the end of Capricorn, the beginning of Aquarius. And Danishta, all of this year, Saturn, the entire year has been in Shravana, which is the nakshatra that relates to listening. The symbol is the ear. And so this year, 2021, in a way, a theme for this year has been, let's stop opining and start listening, or at least deepen our listening. Let's practice listening, and listening with an ear to the heart. Saturn is a great teacher. He's the farmer, and he's teaching us to turn the soil, plant the seeds, water the seeds, and then wait, right? He teaches patience. He teaches hard work, delayed rewards. So we're not getting the lesson. If we're not getting the lesson, he's going to keep doing it. Plant the seed, water, wait, (laughs) plant the seed, water, wait. We need to be listening more. At the end of the day, at the end of my life, do I want people to remember me for my opinions? Or would I rather people remember me? I want people personally to remember me for my heart. I hope people know that I was here to love, right? But that means going back to the heart, ear to the heart to listen. Next year, when Saturn in February moves to Danishta, from Shravana to Danishta, that is symbolized by the musical drum. So there's a lot of themes here that talk about getting together, maybe singing and dancing and enjoying life together. But be cautious because Danishta is ruled by Mars and Mars is the planet of dynamism, action, bravery, bold assertion, but also the planet of aggression and muscularity. And so we want to be sure that that next year in 2022, we are following the you could say that we're more in the Aquarian age. We're it's not the Aquarian age, but we're more in the Aquarius, you could say, mindset of being open to diversity, while we're also in the Pisces mindset of recognizing that we are all one. So there's you know, there's a nuance to it. 
Yeah. And I think that the great reminder is with any planet, any sign, there are light and shadow sides. So that light side is we can all move together into singing and dancing and chanting and creating unity and using those beautiful powers of it. Or we can move towards more aggression and who's right or who's wrong with the energy of Saturn. So another theme that I'm seeing is the word, the collective is, it's very hot word right now. Everyone's like the collective, the collective, what does the collective want? And I also could see the shadow of that being the sacrifice for the collective. It's not about you. It's the collective do what's right for the collective. And I'm curious if that's maybe a a shadow side of this Aquarius energy of maybe sacrificing what you feel is best for you because you just want to do what's right for the collective, but this collective being this, you know, who is the collective? The collective is comprised of a bunch of individuals. And I feel like it's this old paradigm of you give and you give and you give to the collective, but it's like, who's benefiting from this collective narrative. Have you noticed anything about this? Yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great point. It's sort of interesting because I feel like what I'm seeing is more of this. I want freedom, freedom, freedom. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, but then how do we grow the common good? Mm-hmm. How do we live together? Two great teachers, Jesus Christ and Buddha, as two of a couple, you know, there's numbers, but they came at close times in history. They both came at times when their people, their collective in the Middle East and in Asia, were living through very, very troubled times. And they both, you can look at the stars, you can look at the sky. It's like they are both the coming alive of the cosmos' desire to teach people how to make an evolutionary leap. And I just wonder if that's what we're going through now. Mm-hmm. And so I think you were onto something at the beginning and even here. It's really important that we look at both the individual and the collective. What is being asked of us in terms of personal and collective transformation? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's exactly what this divide is. The people who are super far into the individual freedom, it's all about me, zero government, zero control, and like moving further into that. And then people who are totally like the collective and do what's right. And the government knows what's best for us. And, and it's interesting because both sides, you know, they, they're, they're trying to do the right thing. And I think what's hard is that it's almost like, you know, it's like every world religion, you've just read different books, (laughs) you know, you read different books, so you have different answers. And I'm just curious what this pathway towards us seeing that, you know, we all want the same thing. We all want to be safe. Mm -hmm. We all want to be free both. So how do we come together to speak the same language? Yeah. How do we, you know, as Oscar Wilde said that England and America are two countries divided by the same language. Even when we have the same language, Mm -hmm. we can be so divided. And, you know, I think it's so beautiful, too, if we think back to the nakshatras, Saturn's been transiting Shravana. I feel like you've been tuned into that. And maybe that's got something to do with your own chart. But this year has been about going beneath the surface of all this division. The division is out there. It's not in here. Mm -hmm. So Shravana is inviting us, come listen to your heart. Listen to the silence within. And yet, I feel like if I do go out, what do I want to do? I keep saying my community, I mean my neighborhood where I live, the residential community, has been extremely divided. And yet, every now and then in the summer, there's been a concert in the park, and we've just all gone out and danced. Mm -hmm. We just sing and dance. Everybody, all ages, all types of people, no words, just dance, right? So music and dance, and that is what Shravana into Danishta is telling us. Shravana said, go in, listen, find your true values. It doesn't matter if others are living according to your values. Find yours, listen to your heart. And next year, let's join together and be together beyond language, beyond opinion. Let's be together in the song of life itself. Mm. And what do you see happening in terms of just politics and these elections and all of that, do you feel like there's going to be a revolution or a big change happening? Or do you think people will just sort of create their own ways of self-governing themselves? 
Well, so, you know, right now, I knew that we were going to have a bit of a, like the markets would drop this week, you know, and, and we we're talking just, you know, sort of, what is it, late September, and because Jupiter retrograded back into Capricorn. And so, you know, I know you can tell by looking at what's going on in terms of the planets, what's going to happen in terms of government, in terms of our leaders. So our leaders are going to go through a time where everybody's angry at them. There's going to be a lot that continues to come up that people don't like and people are going to be upset about. And people are not going to be feeling great. They're going to be feeling upset about the uncertainty. They're going to be up feeling upset about things not necessarily going their way. They're going to be upset about the markets dropping because that's going to look like the economy is not going to do too well. Middle of October, things are going to start to look better because the two planets, Saturn and Jupiter, go direct. Late November, Jupiter goes into Aquarius, and that's going to create more expansion and more growth. So it's coming. We just have to breathe. We don't have a lot. You know, it's not that much more time if we think about it. We're going to have a lot to celebrate this year at Thanksgiving, those of you who celebrate that. We do have a lunar eclipse November 18th, 19th, solar eclipse December 4th. Those usually affect government and leaders. You know, those usually do affect things at the higher level. We saw that last year in our own United States government. The January 6th insurrection came right after a really strong solar and lunar eclipse. So we do see that. But I think that what you're going to see once Jupiter goes into Pisces is two possibilities. Either we're going to unite or people are going to use religion and their spiritual beliefs to continue to try to control. Right? And Saturn moving into Aquarius it's going to be these two really powerful forces. We're either going to unite and get things done and rebuild our world in a brighter way. The planet Saturn and Aquarius and Jupiter and Pisces give us a lot, of, a lot to be hopeful for, a lot that's positive. And there's like the sense of potentiality. And Saturn and Dionysia with that Mars aspect means we are going to have to be careful that we don't become aggressive. We don't become aggressors. Rahu is moving to Aries, and Aries is also ruled by Mars. So Rahu, who's always externalizing, always looking outside of itself to take, is going to be in the sign of Aries, the sign of the military, the general. So we are going to have to be careful that we don't think, oh, there's my oil over there, I'm going to go take some. There's my land over there, I'm going to go take some. There's my whatever it is, I'm going to go take some. We are going to have to be mindful of our aggressive tendencies or our selfishness and greed we are we always have to watch that right maybe not you and your friends don't have to watch it but generally humans do it's there in us so there is that and i i don't want to say either way what exactly will happen we'll have to watch part of it a lot of it has to do with where we put our intention what would you say is the word or a couple words to represent 2022 hope renewal unity and diversity song and dance hmm. let's celebrate Let's come together. Let's believe in the world that we can create, that we want to create. Let's believe in it because we have to see it first to be it. Mm. But we do have energies for that in 2022, starting in late March, April. We'll take a quick break so I can give a shout out to our sponsors. So my words for 2021 are rest, relaxation, and receiving. And I am supporting this with Organifi Gold Chocolate, which is the best thing I've ever put into my mouth. And it really is so helpful because for me at night, I really crave chocolate. And instead of eating a bunch of chocolate and feeling like crap in the morning, this actually supports me with my sleep. It has ingredients including turmeric, ginger, reishi mushroom, turkey tail mushroom, and lemon balm with less than one gram of sugar per serving. It's a 100% USDA organic, gluten-free, dairy-free, non-GMO, all the good stuff. And it literally tastes like heaven. I swear, try some with some hot almond milk and you are in for a treat. If you're ready to get your hands on some of your own, head over to Organifi.com and use coupon code Sahara for 20% off. That's Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com with coupon code Sahara for 20% off. So if you're anything like me, you catch yourself late at night on your computer with all of these words and thoughts and things you want to research, but it's super late and you know you're going to screw up your sleep. And Ayurveda told you your circadian rhythm really matters, so you're secretly mad at yourself, but you still want to keep going. Does this sound a little bit too specific? Well, if so, I have the solution for you. And those are Blue Blocks glasses. So these are glasses that help block the junk light, all of the artificial light, the blue light that's on our phones, our laptops 
laptops, all these screens, even our light switches. I've actually changed out all my lights to no longer have the blue artificial light that comes through. So it's a lot more soothing for my circadian rhythm cycle. And wearing these blue blocks glasses has been so helpful. I sleep better, I wake up early easier, and I don't have that same digital eye strain. And if you're a little skeptical, all of these glasses use science backed technology tested to ensure they work, unlike other blue light glasses companies. If you want to get your hands on a pair, head over to blueblocks.com. That's B L U B L O X.com slash Sahara for 15% off your first pair. And you can find that link in the show notes. So in Vedic astrology, it says that right now we're in this Kali Yuga time period, the time of, of darkness. And there's a lot of debate over when that ends, if it already ended, if it's going to end 1500 years from now, what is your perspective on this and our collective consciousness right now and how it's increasing or decreasing? Oh, such a big question. You ask It's such a great and big question. So I'm, I've been a devotee of Paramahansa Yogananda's and his teacher, Sri Yukteswar, was a, you know, a Jyotishi, a great, great master of Jyotish. Sri Yukteswar once said to Yogananda, one of my favorite lines, he said, you have to do this, that, and the other thing, or you're going to end up in the hospital with a liver problem. And Yogananda said, I don't believe in this nonsense, and ignored him, and then ended up in the hospital with a liver problem. At which point he said to his brother, Yogananda said to his brother, go, for, go to Yukteswar and ask him again what it was that I need. So when Yukteswar said to Yogananda, you need to do these things, and Yogananda said, I don't believe in it, Sri Yukteswar said to Yogananda, the truth does not need you to believe in it in order to be true. (laughs) It's my favorite line ever. The truth does not need you to believe in it in order to be true. Mm. (laughs) So such a beautiful line. Anyway, Sri Yukteswar does believe that we're already coming up out of the Kali Yuga into a higher yuga and but that it were just we're just at the beginning of that whether we're still in the kali yuga or we're in the next yuga the fact is we are rising we've gone from the dip to the rising side of things and you can see that there's a lot of ascension there's a lot of transcension or transcendence there are so many people now learning to meditate gosh a couple of years ago i was visiting my Ayurvedic teachers, I was at the grocery store and I saw Time magazine and on the cover was a woman meditating. I thought when I began meditating, people thought I was crazy. And now it's on the cover of a national magazine. That already is a great sign of how much it's grown, how popular it's become. Thanks to people like you, look how popular Ayurveda has become. So many people knowing about Ayurveda is helping us to restore Dharma, Sanatana Dharma. Then you go and you write a book about Dharma. So people are not only restoring the, their personal selves to their personal dharma, but restoring ourselves collectively to nature's rhythm and flow, which is the sanatana dharma. So clearly there is a lot of growth in the world. But as long as we live in this world, and to beautiful time to talk about it, in the autumn, when we're always seeking balance, we're seeking the balance of the solar lunar energies. We're seeking the harmony of the five elements, right? We are at a time when there is a lot of growth, a lot of awakening, and yet we live in a world of duality. So what is happening? There's a pulling in the opposite direction. And is it going to split us apart and we're going to all fall down the crack in the middle? Right? I think the important thing is that what matters is we do our work. And once awakened, we seek company. Once a great master staying at a home, woke up early in the morning, to do his meditation, and suddenly one of the children and the family awoke and went to wake up the other kids to play. And the family said, oh, I hope they didn't disturb you. He said, no, it's just a great reminder that once awakened, we seek company. Stay the course, each of us do our work, and let's do what we can to find those who are also doing that work and awakening, right? Find the people who are seeking the light, and let's help all of us awaken together. What can we do? We can't make others do it. We can only do it and hope that resonance becomes the morphic field. Ultimately, it becomes a critical mass. Ultimately, we have peace on earth. Let's hope. Mm. I love that story that once you've awakened, you desire company. And it's so true. It's so natural to want to share that with the people in your life. And 
online and just, you know, and I think that's why so many people are having career transitions right now, because once you realize all of these gifts inside your soul, you can't go back to, you know, just doing things that don't feel in harmony with who you are and, and why you're here. It's like, you realized you're a lion, but you've been living in a cage. So you, you can't go yes. back to that cage anymore. You're like, wow. Okay. I, I need the jungle. I don't know how to get there, but I feel this yearning inside of me. And it's almost like we have to go through the exact things we're the most afraid of the reasons yeah. why we put ourselves in that cage in the first place to get to that jungle. And I think that's what so many people right now collectively all together are experiencing of what is your greatest fear? You know, is it, I love that, yeah. is it financial? Is it being not accepted? Is it people making fun of you, canceling you? Like whatever it is that is showing up. And I, I feel right now we're given a choice to either step into it and, and through it to find our way and trust that there's another side or not. But even if you don't choose, it's going to come back and come back and come back until in some lifetime somewhere you'll, you'll step into it. So I think that I love how the yugas really show that this shift, it, it flows, it ebbs. And my question, I don't know if you or anyone has an answer to this mm -hmm. is if source desires us to awaken, if it wants us to awaken to our true nature, to live our dharmas, to take care of this planet, why did it even design a Kali Yuga? Why create mm. a dissension if we were all, you know, deities with all of these powers and long lifespans and living in, you know, these beautiful mm -hmm. Vedic and Lemurian and Atlantean times? Yeah. Why create the dissension? <laughs> Who designed yeah. this? That's an awesome question. You know, so it's also the Yugas is really an understanding of something that's just so beyond genius. So we circle around the sun. It turns out the sun is circling around its own sun. And the yugas relate to the sun's cycles around its sun. So first of all, it's just a scene of that, that as the sun cycles around its sun, we go through different phases. Just as here on earth, we're going through different seasons. You could think of the yugas as being like a season, right? And the way I understand seasons, the way I think about seasons is it's nature's elegance, nature's wisdom, nature's efficiency. It doesn't want to just be energetic all the time. Just like we need daytime and nighttime, we need to sleep and restore ourselves. So in a way, the Kali Yuga, you could see it as this beautiful, I mean, what is going to awaken you more? A lot of people don't wake up thanks to an easy life. I mean, I look at an easy life. I look at the chart of a person with an easy life. It's a lifetime of coasting. It's not a lifetime of growth. A lifetime of growth, not such an easy chart. A lifetime of growth comes from debilitated planets here or planets in those difficult houses, right? And does our soul choose this? Like, you know what? I've had some crazy lives. I want to take a breather this one. Just like, give me a pretty easy nine to five where I barely have to show up for work in this life. I just want to drink some beers. Does it like choose that? <laughs> Because <laughs> I think yeah, I have some family yeah. members who chose it. <laughs> <laughs> it's maybe a little bit more like I have a very good friend who's just everything she does seems to turn to gold. She's never seemed to have any hard day, right? She never seems to, to just everything just seems to always go her way. It's just like an easy flow. And she's a beautiful person, but there hasn't needed to be a lot of growth in this side for a lot of self-examination, self-inquiry, self-awareness. That usually comes from challenge as much as we don't want that to be true. <laughs> that I'm afraid is how humans learn and grow. And so, you know, back to your original question, such a beautiful question. If source wants us to grow and awaken, and it does, our essence and our future is to be an awakened being, to be home in the transcendent sphere. And even now, the way the yogis consider it is there's different lokas, there's different planes of existence. And two lokas away is Swarloka, the heavenly realm. It's only two. And in that loka, everybody's already awakened and existing that way. So there's no Kali Yuga there. In other words, time, the yugas are a way of understanding one way of experiencing time. But there's many ways. And once we awaken, we are ourselves in the swarg. We are ourselves in the moksha. Moksha is a word that means liberation, but it also means heaven. We can bring heaven to earth. I think that's so important for us to remember. So Kali Yuga relates to the duality. And as long as we're alive, we live that. But as long as we are in the heart, 
we are in the non-dual realm, having an embodied experience in the realm of duality. We can live both simultaneously. Mm, I love that, that, you know, without winter, there can't be spring and there can't be summer. And eventually the summer is going to naturally have to turn into fall and that paves the way for the next winter. And these cycles have always existed throughout time. And, you know, even in, in tropical places, it happens with the rain or there's always cycles. There's always life and death, life and death, and, and life would be meaningless without the death. And, you know, and we humans, we do, we do learn through juxtaposition and, Ooh, I, I burned my finger on that. I don't want to touch that thing anymore. Right. And that's yes. how we learn. What I'm wondering is as we shift in consciousness, can we create a reality that we don't have to continually learn from pain? Hmm. The long answer is yes, of course, definitely. And the short answer is if we're in a human body, we are here. You know, let me say it this way. The way I see many, many charts, I've just had a lot of clients, including you, who I look at their charts recently, and I see what I consider to be a bodhisattva, someone who's advanced many, many lifetimes, let's say, of awakening. When I think about you and the work you're doing, the books that you've written, the messaging that you put out on your social media, you know, you just feel like there's just just lively, dynamic, powerful spirit that chose to come alive in this time to shake it and say, wake up. (laughs) (laughs) I promise you it'll be worth it, right? And, but if in order to do that, you had to come into a human body with a human nervous system. Sure, we're spiritual beings having a human experience, and this human experience is very real. And this nervous system is very real. And it's communicating to us through feeling, mostly through feeling things. And I had an experience. My father, this is the anniversary of my father's passing. So not too long ago, today, just a few hours ago, I was really teary, really feeling that loss. I don't ever not want to feel that loss. Because it's so tender to feel his presence, right? It's so tender and beautiful and dear, even as it makes me cry, to remember how great he was and how blessed and lucky I was to have that person as a father, right? So, you know, there's also that beauty. What is it that they say? What is it that, is it Hafiz who says, it's the crack where the light comes through. There's beauty so it's about, can we get to a place where the experiences, even when they're painful, feels like, God, I'm so grateful to be alive and to be able to feel this and learn something from it and grow and glory be to God. Hallelujah. Yes. Mm, full body resonance with all of that. And <sighs> to feel is such a gift. And I think so many of us when we step into feeling, there's just so much there that we haven't felt before that it just feels so overwhelming. So we're like, how can I cut myself from this ability to feel? Because my life would be easy. But if you cut yourself from the ability to feel pain, sadness, grief, you cut yourself from the ability to feel love, pleasure, joy, because they really are two ends of the same coin. And what I'm seeing is almost that's what ascension is. And that's why I'm using that word in in air quotes, because I feel that so many people misunderstand this word of like, we ascend that we stop being a human and we become these like aliens that like don't need to feel and like don't need to anything. And that's numbifying the human experience. And also why would we be here? If if the goal is to not be Mm -hmm. a human, why would we incarnate as being a human? What if it's to explore the richness of being a human, which means to feel? Totally, absolutely, thousand million percent, hundred percent agree with that. We're here to to be here mm. and to be fully in our bodies, fully alive to the fullest range of experience, to the full spectrum of everything that we can feel and know through our five senses. Absolutely. And what you know, the opposite of feeling is numb. You were talking earlier about the lion in the cage, and I was thinking about my sister-in-law, Colleen Plum, is a fine art, fine. She's a photographer, fine art photographer, and she's gone around to the zoos in America, and she's photographed elephants in captivity. And they do this thing, stereotyping, where they sway back and forth. And when you watch it, it feels so soothing and calming in these great, majestic, beautiful animals swaying back and forth. And it feels like, ah, calming. 
until you learn why they're doing it, only do it when they're in captivity. It's their way of dealing with being in captivity. So the lion in the cage, the elephant in captivity, what we want to do is set ourselves free. But freedom doesn't mean to get out of here. Freedom means free to feel all your feelings and know that they're not going to destroy you. To feel all of your feelings and know that in each feeling is the potential for awakening, right? The potential for grace to arise mm-hmm. and hold you in their heart. Yeah, it's very powerful. I love how you shared that about the elephant swing because I watched this documentary on orphanages in Romania Mm. and a lot of these children that have, you know, different types of learning disabilities are abandoned because their, their families just don't know how to take care of them. And they're abandoned into these orphanages where they barely have any human contact or love. I mean, they're, they're starving and it's extremely inhumane. And what I noticed as watching the documentaries, you, you see this girl being dropped off and over her year or two there, she developed something that she's swaying back and forth, just moving herself, rocking back and forth. And all of the kids are doing it. And what they shared, it's to soothe your nervous system, just like a baby yeah. rocks their child. When you don't have anyone to take care of you, when you don't have freedom, when you don't have connection and community, you look for ways to self-soothe yourself. So you start to rock yourself until it becomes an addiction that you can't stop. And, you know, and also that lot, that elephant in captivity, you could look at that as, oh, well, at least there's no lions to attack it. At least they're safe from the tigers or this or that. So, you know, they're swaying, but at least they're safe. And it's, it's such a great reminder for humans of like, how are we putting ourselves into that cage and be like, well, at least it's safe in here. Like, at least I'm good, even yeah. though I'm like, have a nervous yeah. system tick that I'm taking care of myself yeah. because I'm too free to be in my natural habitat, which yeah. is wild and free. And yes, there may be danger, but that's life. <laughs> and it's so, that's a really powerful, it's a great way to look at it because then if you come back to, at least they're safe, at least under my control, in my four square walls, at least I can justify it by saying they're safe. At least I as an occupying force, at least I as a greedy, extractive power, I will justify what I'm doing, taking the animals out of the natural habitat, right? Basically, we're saying, as I remove myself from my dharma, and this, and I mean this in the larger sense, that word dharma, my aliveness, my my dance with the rhythms of life. If I remove myself from it and put myself in a safe place, I'm going to end up numb. I'm going to end up dying. And I'm going to justify it by saying it's safe. Mm -hmm. It's imperial. You know, it's a kind of imperialism, a kind of colonial captivation, right? Mm, No, set yourself free. (laughs) Exactly. And we can see so many examples of that from from your career to, I was just thinking about the feminine and how right now what we're seeing in Afghanistan is the Taliban is taking over and putting these women back in captivity, you know, covering them up, putting them in the home, not letting them go to school, taking away their rights for what? Their safety because they may be endangered there. Someone may hurt them there. So we're actually doing this because we deeply, deeply care about you and honor you. We're taking away all your rights and having you stay at home covered because we want you to be safe. And how that that story is used again and again and again for control. And it's only until we look at a relationship with death and really look that death is not the worst thing that can happen. It's an inevitable thing. It's a guaranteed thing to happen. So when we can really look death eye to eye, then we stop living a caged life in the name of safety. Right. Yeah. And why is that? I wonder, I mean, on on one level, it's because it's like suddenly you're able to say, what would my regrets be at the end of my life? If I don't choose, it's more than even freedom. It's my authenticity, you know, my purpose for coming alive. Yeah. And then really looking death in the eye, you can say, as long as I'm alive, I want to be alive, not dead, not numb. Mm-hmm. Right? So many powerful. people choose their death far before they actually die. Yeah. And it's a slow death, right? Just mm-hmm. slowly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're doing great work. Thank you. And I think conversations like this really open people up, especially at this time where these energies can activate us and activate our fears and activate, you know, these higher glimpses of universal truth. So I think it's so important, the work that you're doing of spreading that and sharing that and reminding people to, again, connect to their cosmic nature, because we really are all always interconnected with the stars. 
It's so important. And what you're saying is so important because, you know, for anybody who's listening, who is having a difficult time, a dark night of the soul, you know, two things. One is even in the dark night, even then there is the moon, right? So keep going within, keep finding the light that always is there existing within you, but also reach out, find a friend, reach out to people who can support you because we're not designed to be alone. We're not designed to be lonely. We are designed to do the work and only you can do the work. So there is that singularity. But at the same time, we are stronger together. We need each other. And so, you know, there's that, again, that duality of go within and find your light, but then go without and find your support. Not without your support, but go outside. Reach out to find your support. Mm, I love that so much. And I love how you share that this year, 2022, especially will be lots of music and dance as pathways of healing, which I think is so the medicine that our souls need community, dance, sun, touch, and just coming back to being a human again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for all of your wisdom and where can listeners connect with you and book a reading with you? Yeah, exactly. Come back to being a human again, amongst humans again. That's so important. It's the community that we really need. And that is going to be a theme, unity and diversity, but also unity in community, singing and dancing together. I'm at lauraplum.com. Very simple. L-A-U-R-A-P-L-U-M-B.com. Awesome. And I will have that link in the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. So great to be with you always. Thank you for all that you do. You are a bright light. I'm so grateful. Oh, thank you. Oh, so beautiful. I love Laura's wisdom. I love sitting in her presence. She just exudes such peace and grace. And I hope you enjoyed listening to her as well. And again, she does have an expert guest workshop teaching us how to read our Vedic astrology chart firsthand in Rose Gold Goddesses. So if you're curious, you're interested in learning more, join our waitlist at rosegoldgoddesses.com. And this is my last reminder to you if you're interested in joining us in Dharma Coaching Institute to become a certified Dharma, a sole purpose coach as well as a spiritual life coach, then head over to dharmacoachinginstitute.com. That link is in the show notes. We are getting started November 8th. It's just around the corner. And in six months from now, boo-boo, you're going to be a certified, accredited with the ICF spiritual life coach. So where else will you be six months from now if you don't do this? You'll, you'll be potentially where you are. Maybe you'll be transformed. I don't know. This will be a really fun way to spend your time, especially if you're interested in things like Vedic astrology, because living your dharma is really the purpose of it all. So again, that's dharmacoachinginstitute.com. If you're listening to this later, join us in the waitlist for when doors open again six months from now. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you in the next one. Namaste. Namaste.